Welcome to You're Up Next, a podcast by Bright Club Ireland that explores what scientists can learn from stand-up comedy. I'm Jessamine Fairfield, and in this episode you'll be hearing about why scientists think they're better than everyone else. Hi everyone, how are we doing? I'm Sarah Buckley and I'm a lecturer in history at NUI Galway. I don't know about people in this room, but I kind of stumbled into academia. Um, I'm not from an academic family. I didn't really know what it meant. And I realized when you're in year two of the PhD and you don't know what PhD stands for, that's not a great thing. (laughs) I honestly had to Google it after a guy asked me in the pub. I study and I research slightly controversial areas. So I look at the history of women and children in modern Ireland. And because of that, I have come into some conflict at different times. The first was in France. I was at a conference and I was a PhD student, but luckily I knew what that meant. One of the things I love about good public engagement is that it's about bringing things together and breaking down the hierarchies you so often find around knowledge, the status hierarchies, where people try to say, oh, this is a prestigious field and this is an easy field. I hate that because it's narrow-minded and it's wrong. Physics is kind of the worst for that, actually. Physicists will act like science underlies everything and physics underlies the other sciences. Who was it that said that everything is either physics or stamp collecting? Some asshole. I remember in my physics graduate department, they had an even more elitist version of that joke, that everyone who wasn't doing particle physics was just an engineer. I mean, firstly, engineering is super interesting and creates the world around us, so just fuck off. But secondly, I mean, really, are you serious? I know why people do this. They do it because they want to feel that their field, their job, is important. And one way to do that is by putting other people down. But that's like keeping people behind you by slamming a door in their face. You separate yourself from everything you could have learned from that person, that field. It makes your world smaller. Who would want that? This gets to why I think comedy is the perfect format for challenging elitism. Comedy is about upending hierarchies, about punching up, challenging the status quo. Done correctly, comedy should be subversive. People ask me about edgy or offensive comedy, To me, most of the time when someone is doing offensive comedy, they're actually just being lazy. They're saying stereotypes and hoping that people will laugh out of familiarity with the stereotype rather than because it's surprising or a new take or funny. If you're reinforcing the status quo, I'm not interested and I'm not sure it's comedy. And if your science joke relies on knowing sciencey terms or has some tired nonsense where an overworked graduate student is the butt of the joke, I'm not interested. But if you're seeing your field in a new way, Telling people stories that shed light on not just a part of human knowledge, but the people who create it? Now that's interesting. I love this about running Bright Club. Speakers are so fascinating, and they have so many things to say. And to hear someone get up and talk about solar physics, and then someone else talk about engineering challenges in the developing world, and someone else talk about philosophy and the basis of our understanding of that world, and to hear this all done outside the formal learning environments, with no one taking themselves too seriously, now that is something I would go to every night. I didn't invent the Bright Club format, but I brought it to Ireland because I wanted to be able to go to an event like that. And it's a constant delight to me that other people feel the same way. I also really like having people from all different career stages speak at Bright Club, undergraduate to professor. We've had non-academics speak too, 
because they're still part of the picture of how research is done. A couple academic administrators have come and actually done hilarious sets just skewering university bureaucracy and how hierarchical and ridiculous it is. And that's part of the story, whether we highlight it or not. But it's funny because universities are supposed to be equalizers. They're supposed to give anyone a chance to work hard and better themselves. It's the whole lift yourself up by your bootstraps thing, and while the idealistic view of universities is that they reward those who are clever and hardworking, the reality is that people who have money or come from an educated background are just more likely to succeed there. And then these are the people that are doing research or creating new knowledge with this filter already applied. Education is partly learning, but it's also partly enculturation. And if you are already part of the culture, you'll just have an easier time of it. So how do we flip that on its head? and make sure that everyone gets to be part of research, to have their voice heard. My name's Shane Bergen. Um, I'm a physicist that works in UCD, but I work in the School of Education. I work with people who want to become science teachers or people who are interested in how we learn science, in particular how we learn physics. So as well as working with people who want to become teachers, my research is primarily in this area of informal learning, this idea of learning outside of the classroom. And I'm really interested in it for lots of reasons. One of which is that I think the informal space gives people the opportunity to explore what it might be like to be a scientist or a physicist in a way that other parts of their education system may not. I started thinking about this a long time ago when I was talking with undergraduate students and remembering my own experience as a student. I asked them, do you feel like a physicist? Most of them said no. Indeed, when I look back to my own education, I don't think that I really felt that I was a physicist until I finished my PhD. And even then I wasn't so sure. And I wondered, why was that the case? It's incredible. After so many years of studying, I wasn't confident to call myself a physicist. I had learned and done really well in a lot of exams, like lots of my friends had, but I didn't feel like it was part of my identity. And I thought, that's really strange. Like, I've learned all this science, so am I not a scientist? So it made me think about what do scientists do and how do we call ourselves scientists? It led me to think about being brought into a community and that for us to identify with any group, we need to feel like we're accepted. We need to have practices and norms that we'd associate with that group. And physics is no different. And I've always felt that so-called outreach or informal learning is a space that gives me the opportunity to do those things. And so I hoped it would give my students the opportunities to uh, think about what it might be like to be a physicist through doing things like outreach, public engagement, informal learning. And having done that for quite a number of years and having had a lot of fun setting up some unusual programs, I have three values that I associate with informal learning and they help me think about my identity as a physicist. So the first one is that, you know, any program that's out there needs to recognize that people are complex. So I like physics, but if I weren't a physicist, I'd probably, what well, I'd like to be, a musician. Um, so. You know, I can be perhaps a physicist and a musician. So this idea of dual identity or multiple identities is something that an informal program can do, perhaps in a way that a regular degree can't do. So I set up a program called Quavers to Quadratics with the National Concert Hall. 
and it sees children play with ideas that are common to physics and to music. The children, primary school children, they're led in their play by undergraduate students from music and from science, particularly physics. And so they have to work together. They have to do something called co-teaching. And we can see, firstly, it's very positive. They have a real strong sense of collective ownership over quavers to quadratics. We also see that it facilitates them having multiple identities, that they feel I can be a physicist and a musician or a musician and a physicist. I think another thing that's very important is that when you're working with uh, any outreach team or public engagement team, that a diverse team will lead to uh, diverse outcomes. And I think that's very important uh, when we think about science and scientists in general. We have a very narrow sense of who scientists are. It's well known from the draw scientist uh, experiment that's run for 50 years that people will draw a very sort of stereotyped scientist, somebody with crazy hair, glasses, lab coats, explosions, all of that sort of thing, an Einstein-like character. Yet, even scientists will do that, by the way, but yet even even though we have like tried so hard to increase the visibility of other types of scientists, so-called real scientists into schools and into real life, it hasn't really made a huge dent. And I started to think about, well, what are they doing that for? Is it just to get more people into science? And if that's the case, I sort of have a problem with that because science is not being asked to consider how it treats people who come into it. I want science to be a welcoming place for all sorts of people because I think that by bringing in or welcoming in rather a diverse group of people and making that diversity uh, core to science, it will lead to diverse outcomes. And I think this logic too can be applied to informal learning. If I can work with diverse groups of people, be they artists, be they other types of scientists, be they students, be they people who have nothing to do with science at all, then diverse outcomes will occur. So my last thing I think is very important is that our, our own view of our, our scientific views of ourselves. I think that um, like, and this is very pertinent at the moment with the rise of so-called alternative facts and fake news. In that, in that sort of world, scientists are, I think, positioning themselves as having the facts, that we're the people who know things. And that's what we're saying about ourselves. And whilst we do know stuff, I think positioning ourselves as the final arbiters of truth is a very dangerous position. I think we do know stuff, but we don't know everything. And science is not the only way to understand the world. Science is a process, and I think that if we as scientists can recognise that, then we have strength in defining our expertise in a way that goes beyond just being about the facts. And I think that has impacts for outreach and for public engagement. Public engagement needs to be more than just press releases of this is the latest thing we found. People grow tired of that. People also confuse then science with technology. People are told continuously about the latest new thing. But then when you look at it over the, like a period of years, you're like, well, I've been told about the latest new thing forever, but my life hasn't really changed, people think. So I think it's more important that we, we talk about the reality of how science works and talk about its power rather than just say, hey, we're the boffins, we have the facts, we know best. And so... I'm going to end with that point that I think we scientists need to be very mindful about who we are and how we collectively work 
perhaps we could do a little bit of talking with our colleagues in the social sciences and the humanities to make that uh, sort of idea of mine more of a reality. Shane's last point there really resonates with me, as someone who has an arts degree in math and physics. I think that scientists have so much to gain by embedding themselves with other disciplines, and vice versa. In the Irish context, I would love to see more of a liberal arts approach in universities, that students are choosing their main field of study, but still have to explore other options. My own undergraduate degree required classes in arts, history, philosophy, social science, biological and physical sciences, and international studies for everyone. Imagine if we took that approach, valuing each of these lenses on knowledge and understanding and culture, rather than pretending that anyone has primacy over the others. It would make for better scientists, better citizens, and better people. This episode of You're Up Next was made possible by our support from Science Foundation Ireland, the Community Knowledge Initiative, the Amber and Coram Research Centres, and the Research Office at NUI Galway. We're grateful to our guests, our host, which is me, Jessamyn Fairfield, our podcast producers, Sean and Morris, and all our listeners, speakers, and community. Thanks for being part of Bright Club. Bright Club.